Hello, everyone. This is Richard C. Wilson with the Family Office Club, and today I have with me Rick Berenson from Thermalin Inc., a biotechnology company that's in the diabetes insulin space. Uh, welcome, Rick. Hi. Nice to be here. Great. Uh, can you explain a little bit more, maybe like a one-liner, a short description of what your firm does? Sure. Thermalin is working on technologies that are going to disrupt the treatment the economic and the disease management paradigm for people with insulin dependence diabetes, which is about 25% of the people with type 2 diabetes and all of the people with type 1 diabetes. Sure. And what I know is that when investors look at an opportunity, they look to the leadership first, the founder first. I know you have your JD MBA from Harvard. You have a lot of experience. You're a serial entrepreneur. Um, but also, we are talking this morning about how when I see medical opportunities, um, I usually see they have to go through these stages of approval, the trials, et cetera. And you mentioned a really interesting statistic to me. Do you mind just sharing that up front just so investors who are hearing this don't turn off before we get into some of the details? Absolutely. So I found this really interesting when we were able to put it together as well. And we looked at data from about 10,000 different drugs that had entered phase one clinical studies to see what percentage of them made it all the way through to uh, approval. If you look at an oncology drug, and of course, oncology is an incredibly important and very hot investment area, only about 5% of the drugs that enter phase one studies make it all the way through. For metabolic drug, it's, it's about 15%, but for insulins, historically, it's been 58%. And of that 58%, the failures have typically been things that are really stretching insulin, making it glucose responsive or liver targeted and so forth. So if you take those out, the rate of approval is even higher. That is to say, insulin, if you've got the early clinical data, that is the data in pigs, because the pig model is very predictive of what's going to happen in humans, then your probability of success is really quite high. Right, right. And of course, everyone knows that you know heart disease, diabetes, besides maybe the interconnectedness of those two things, I mean, it's all over society you know, here in America and globally, right? It's one of the top health issues in the world in the United States, right? Absolutely. It's like number two, right after heart disease. Right, right. Okay, great. And um, in terms of what specifically you're developing that's going to address um, how you're transforming the treatment of diabetes, what is that that you're developing? So really two things. Uh, I'm going to start talking about a device that we call the stamp pump. So the stamp pump is a miniature insulin delivery system. We actually call it a glucose management system because it's going to calculate the dose for you. Uh, and automatically deliver the insulin. Now, this is a device that is literally the size of a postage stamp. That's how big it is. Hmm. Uh, and compared to uh, an existing device, it is literally 75% the size and about a third the depth. That means that when you're wearing it, it's going to disappear under clothing. So you, you put it in any place and you're really not going to see it, which is important from a patient's perspective because people don't want to advertise the fact that they have diabetes. The fact that the current devices are large, they typically have tubes on them, and even if they don't have a tube, uh, it's going to be bulky, and you can see it, is what contributes to the really poor adherence to insulin therapy today. And when people don't take their insulin, their blood sugar is higher than it, need, it should be, and it's high blood sugar that causes all the complications that account for 82% of the whole of the cost, excuse me, 88% of the cost of managing diabetes. So the vast majority is the, uh, the cost of caring for diabetes, is the cost of caring for the complications. You can control the complications by controlling blood sugar. You're going to have a huge impact, not only on the cost of treating diabetes, 
but also on the outcomes that people have. So, so what I'm hearing is, is if I'm understanding right, it's basically uh, the compliance rate should be higher because you don't have this huge device on your arm, but also it'll regulate the amount of insulin you need dynamically, not statically or based on some one-time test. Uh, so it'll be a smarter device. Much smarter. And so the first generation will talk to an external device called the continuous glucose monitor that you would wear. But the second generation that will follow about a year after the first will actually have that continuous glucose monitor built into it. So you'll have the single device that you'll put on once a week. So this is another big differentiator is that this device, despite being so small, is going to last two to three times as long as any other device on the market. Uh, you'll put it on once a week and it will calculate the dose based on what's going on with your blood sugar. Hmm, great. And how will this change the treatment besides the compliance issue? I would guess changing dosage and having to switch the device every day. Those are some obvious changes. Is there any other changes to how the treatment would work or how the economics of the, the treatment would work? Yeah, absolutely. There are actually a couple of other things that this does. So this is going to be a connected device. That is the way you'll figure out what's going on with it will be it's going to talk to your mobile device, your phone, and the data that it collects, which is going to be not only your blood sugar levels and your insulin doses, but also it's going to track activity and heart rate and stress levels and so forth, will all be uploaded to the phone and from there up to the cloud where it can then be shared with your physician. So getting this continuous stream of information about what's going on in your life that your physician can then understand why your blood sugar is not being as well controlled as it should be and can help you more effectively to uh, figure out what to do to change in your life to, uh, to be uh, better controlled uh, is this is what's called digital diabetes disease management. And having this one source that will provide all the data on a continuous basis is really the missing component of that. So that's one element. That's going to change the whole way the disease is managed. The second thing is that this device will be pre-filled at the factory with insulin. That means that today for these devices, about half the work involved in starting it up is taking a syringe, pulling the insulin out of a vial, finding the little hole in your device, sticking it in, filling it up, getting the bubbles out. This is going to come pre-filled. Uh, that's important because we're no longer going to be selling units of insulin, but we're going to be selling actual clinical outcomes. We're going to be selling how good a job do we do at actually keeping your average blood sugar low and keeping you within the right range uh, for a large percentage of the time. So we're going to shift the economic paradigm, the reimbursement paradigm, and the pricing to be based on how good a job we're doing. This has been a goal of policymakers for years. Back in 2017, the Congressional Diabetes Caucus, which is a bipartisan group, said, how can we get to value-based reimbursement for insulin? And they concluded that technology infrastructure isn't there. Well, this is going to make that infrastructure. And so that's the other big disruption that we're going to be able to do. Mm, that's great. Yeah, I didn't know you're going to say that, but I know that's the trend in healthcare is the actual, you know, does the person return with a repeat problem that wasn't solved for what insurance already billed out for or they already got treated for. So that's exciting. Um, what's your value add process to this whole project to the company that has been, you know, working well for you in the past but in other companies that you started? Well, so the key thing for me always is to understand what the problem is you're trying to solve. And often you start out with a technology, but you've got to focus on what the real market needs are. So when we started out looking at the insulin molecule and, and my team, I'm really proud of the team we've been able to assemble. 
my scientific founder is the expert in the structure and function of the insulin molecule in the world. He's got lots and lots of publications on this topic. He just won the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation's award for advances in basic science this year uh, because of the work that he's done on this. So he, he really understands that. My chief scientific officer used to head insulin biology discovery at Eli Lilly. Uh, my, uh, my chief engineer was a former Medtronic technical fellow who, when he, when he left Medtronic a couple of years ago, they hired him back immediately with no IP restrictions just to keep access to him because he's that good. So we've been really fortunate to attract top, top talent to put together a solution and focused on what is it that we can do to lower the burden of therapy for patients. So the expertise we started with was in making the insulin molecule work better. And this new insulin molecule that we've got that makes this pump possible, so that's the other key component, um, is 10 times more stable than any other insulin on the market and is the only insulin that is still fast enough for use in a pump when you make it five times as concentrated. And the concentration is what lets us make a tiny reservoir with a lot of insulin. Mm -hmm. so, Figuring out what you had to do to fix the insulin in order to be able to make the better devices, that was the key process that we went through because uh, we knew that automating delivery was going to be the solution that patients needed. Right, right. Okay, so if somebody is meeting with you, what's the number one due diligence question that should be asking you or another company like yourself? So in my view, it's always, is this really real? You know, what kind of validation do you have? Why should I believe you? Uh, and I can tell you that uh, we have two major pharmas that have committed, uh, one invested, another one is going to be taking equity for us. Uh, we just won a $3 million grant from the NIH for moving this insulin forward, and they've gone through and vetted this as well. Uh, I can have you talk to people in the industry who will talk about how disruptive this is going to be. So mm -hmm. it's key to due diligence on whether the science is right and the need is right. And of course, you have to dig into the team. Uh, and, uh, and that may be the most important thing of all. And as I said, I'm really proud of the team we've been able to attract. Sure, great. And so if somebody is telling themselves like, well, these types of opportunities sometimes feel very high risk, mm -hmm. you, know, you would say in return to them, you know, the insulin related treatments are at a 50% plus approval rate typically. Yep. And that your team is so excellent, you'd hope you'd have a better shot than 58%. And worst case, you go back and redevelop because you know you have something transformative here because of the type of team and technology you've developed. Is that, is that your kind of response in the long sentence when someone's worried about the risk of, of this opportunity? Yeah, no, no, that's exactly right. And in fact, the risk on the insulin is not binary. I mean, often when you're talking about a drug, the big question is you start with an animal and will it work in people because the biology is different? Well, it's not different for insulin. It's such a basic uh, regulatory system controlling blood sugar with insulin. Every single animal does it. The pigs are actually the best model because their skin is very similar to human skin. So, right. right? So their, their skin is different. Pig skin is more similar and that's the model we use and it's really predictive. Sure. It makes sense. So it's not like you have a, a new material that's going to cure cancer or be a vaccine for COVID. It's like it's insulin. You're using a more concentrated type. So the patch can be smaller. The device is smaller and you know, the actual device functionality has to be tested and approved, but it's not like you invented a new, a new synthetic drug that's claiming to cure 20 things. It's, right. It's well, so the, the key thing, it, it, this is a new molecule. So I okay. should be clear about that. So it's not okay. the old insulin. It's a new insulin that is more stable. But, but 
it's using the same mechanism that everybody else is using with insulin. It hits the insulin receptor. Actually, here's another interesting thing about it. Uh, there's another receptor that insulin can hit sometimes called the insulin-like growth factor receptor. Uh, and that's why insulin actually can, regular insulin can, in, you're taking a lot of it as you do with type two diabetes, can actually increase your cancer risk because it can make cells grow faster. Mm. Uh, it takes six times as much of our insulin to have the same effect as regular human insulin. So we're mm -hmm. actually safer on that front as well. Sure, sure. Yeah, and I appreciate the extra clarification there. I'm not a um, medical expert like yourself, so some of these questions are probably pretty Pretty fundamental. Um, the last question here I have though is what's, what's your $100,000 piece of advice that you could leave us with for today? So for me, it's always about the team. Do you think that you've got a team that is going to figure out a real problem, uh, is going to be able to find the technology solution for it, put it all together, navigate through the bumps that are inevitably gonna come uh, and, and get to the end point? Uh, that's the most important thing that you can look at. And, uh, uh, and I would, welcome anybody to do that with us. And I would be happy if people uh, are interested to, uh, to spend some time and have them get to know our team. Sure, great, appreciate that. And um, I was at your website earlier today for Thermalend. Do you mind giving that out uh, for people or how you'd prefer for them to reach out to you if there's a way to work with you on this project? Yeah, so our website is uh, www T-H-E-R-M-A-L-I-N, or you can email me directly. I'm rick at thermalin.com. Okay, great. Well, I appreciate your time here today, Rick. And if anybody uh, wants help getting connected directly to Rick via email, uh, my team or I will be happy to connect to you. And thank you for being part of the Family Office Club. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care.